Good morning, everyone. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6 is going to be the key both for uh, this morning and tonight. Uh, it's a great, great passage. I learned this years ago, uh, teaching intercession prayer. I'm going to read uh, in the NIV. It says it this way. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, this is the first of the year. You know what we do every year. We do the New Year's thing. We make new resolutions, and this is going to be the year, and we're going to do this. And of course, you know, you get about through March, and you forgot what they were, and stop doing them. So what you want to do is continue. And so prayer becomes something real critical. Now, three things in my Christian life. Uh, number one, uh, that were changed me forever when I got born again. Uh, we've laughed about it, but age 12, I walked down front. Hickson First Baptist gave my heart to Jesus. Uh, when I was 23 years old, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. An engineer came into my life, began to invite me to Bible study, and told me about the Holy Spirit. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit, changed my life just dramatically. But the third thing that impacted my life the most of the three is learning about prayer. That prayer is not just a religious thing, prayer is a, a legal thing. And you don't get what you don't pray for. Uh, you go back to Genesis, your pastors taught you so well. Uh, this planet belonged to Adam and Eve, God gave it to them. They had dominion when they had sin. Sin's got death attached to it. Uh, when the devil got them to sin, uh, sin came in. Of course, God came down and pronounced. We've mentioned it twice just in the announcements this morning, working by the sweat of your brow. Adam, now that you sinned, you will not prosper easily very anymore. The devil's now come in, and you'll have to work by the sweat of your brow. Woman, you're going to have pain in childbirth. Your desire is going to be to rule over your husband. He is going to violently and ruthlessly rule over you, and that's why you have marital conflict, because there's a curse on the marriage. Now, God didn't start off that way. He started off everything was good and very good. But when sin, sin's got death attached to it. And so when sin came onto this planet, Satan became the temporary little g 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, God of this planet. And so it's a very controversial thing. Uh, my daughter just finished getting her doctorate, had to kind of debate with several professors who, who are Calvinist at heart, and they believe everything's just sort of locked in. It's what's meant to happen will happen, and that's it. And, uh, and really, Calvinism, Arminianism, are neither one right. The Bible's right. So you go back and just read your Bible. You don't need a degree in theology. You just need to read your Bible. What's going on? Well, Satan's the God of this planet. He steals he kills and he destroys, John 10, 10. Well, where am I living? Well, I'm living on an evil planet, an alien planet. This world is not my home. I used to belong to this world. I got born again, gave my heart to Jesus. Somebody prayed for me. Several people witnessed to me. People interceded for me. And one day, the light came on, and I came out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I was born again, a new creature in Christ. Old things passed away. All things became new. Well, the thing is, I'm still on this planet living in the same house, sitting at the same chair at the kitchen table. And so, well, if I'm born again, what's going on? Well, you're still on the alien planet, but now you get to be an aggressor. And that was mentioned twice this morning. Uh, there's, there's two kinds of sin. I, I dealt yesterday with three different people I've known a long time, all dealing with stuff in their life, marital stuff, one's dealing with sexual stuff. It's like, I don't care how born again you are, you still have a sin nature. You can go stupid if you want to. God will not stop you. We're free will creatures. You do what you want. Jesus repeatedly would ask people to follow him, and, and he never argued with anybody that didn't want to. Come on, follow me. I mean, no, I got to go over here and bury my dad. I got to go do this. I got too much money. She said, fine, I'm not going to make anybody follow me. But I will sit before you, life, death, blessing, cursing. You get to choose. And so I remember when I began to learn about prayer, I was teaching intercession prayer at my local church, and I really didn't know a lot about it, but I had to to teach it. So I was learning as I was teaching, and I realized after about a year, God cannot 
will not do anything if somebody prays. I've got this quote, John Wesley said this years ago. Great John Wesley said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him. God in heaven, the great God Almighty, El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, is not allowed on this planet. He gave this planet to Adam. Adam's sin gave it away to the devil. That's why the devil tempted Jesus with it on those three temptations out in the wilderness after 40 days. I'll give you all these kingdoms if you'll bow down. Why did he offer the kingdoms to Jesus? They're his now. He is the temporary Lord God over this planet. He steals, kills, and destroys. That's why there's all those 24 news channels reporting about hell. And so people will question every time we get called. Uh, been with my family in Chattanooga for a little over a week, and, and I love my family, but none of them go to church. None. They used to all go to church, none go to church. But, well, I know what I believe. Well, I know what I believe, which means you don't know anything. <laughs> You're having to justify whatever it is you believe, which is absolutely nothing, evidently. But they're mad at God, and they're angry. Why did God let this happen? Said, God didn't let anything happen. God's in heaven. You're, you're Lord over this planet. God gave this planet to man. And when I got born again, I got my authority back. Jesus came to Christ, came to earth as a man. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, died for our sins, went into hell, came out, raised from the dead. Now I am born again. I'm not of that other kingdom. I'm in a new kingdom now. And so I, the Bible says, we, the body of Christ, Jesus told him, you will storm the gates of hell. You're not hiding under your bed. You will storm hell, hell that has stole, killed, destroyed. That's your job. And so it's our job to pray. That's why Second Timothy, pray for all those in authority that you might live a quiet and peaceful life. If I'm not praying for my authority, I will not live a quiet and peaceful life. Now tonight we're going to talk about some really good things. Just We're going to talk about 15 just little points, many points about prayer. For example, if you're fighting with your spouse, your prayers will be hindered. There are things that directly affect your prayer life. Regarding sin in your heart will stop your prayers from being answered. Yelling at your spouse will stop you. God has put rules in this. You do this, I will not listen to you. You go take, that, take care of that. Like, well, I can't afford to have heaven shut down because I'm not in heaven. I'm on an alien planet. I need to stay hooked up to my father. Now, Denise and I were doing a seminar up in Somerset, Kentucky back in September. And we were just getting ready to take off and they asked us the strangest thing. Pastor Carl, hey, say, by the way, Joe, when you're coming up here, we want you and Denise to do a special Friday night session as a husband and wife. We want you to tell us five things that you did right when you got married and five things you wish you would have done different. I said, okay, no problem. So we're running to the airport. We get on the plane. We're flying uh, to Dallas and catching a plane up to Lexington. I said, by the way, Denise, we're going to do a seminar tonight, me and you. We're going to go up and uh, uh, we're going to share five things that we did right when we got married and five things we should have done different. And so we're sitting next to each other, and I got my pad. So, and she said, well, well, Pastor Mark asked us just to share. You know, we don't have to study. You don't have to memorize anything. Just share from our heart. What was it we did right when we got married? Since we've been married for 41 years, what things did we do right? And she's very polite but very blunt. She said, Joe, we didn't do anything right. <laughs> and she's not funny. I'm funny. She's not funny. She's humorous, but not funny. I said, no, no, we've got to come up with five things that we did right that helped our marriage. She said, Joe, you were there. We did nothing right. <laughs> and, so, and so anyhow, the, the trip to Dallas wasn't good. And uh, <laughs> so I went and got her something to eat and let's settle down. We've got to, listen, babe, I'm being invited to speak. I've got to come up with five things. And we can't lie. There's got to be something we did right. So, 
So this is, it's all marked up, but I'll, I'll share it. It's all scratchy here. This is what I wrote on the plane. So this is what we came up with. What did, we had her done something right. She said, okay. So this is mostly her, me interjecting things. So here are the five things real quick that she thought we did right. Number one is we separated from our parents, not by choice. I got laid off and I had to move to Missouri to take another job. I lived 100 yards from my mom and dad and two miles from her mom and dad. We were both working when we got married. Uh, three years into our marriage, we were ready for a divorce. We hated each other because we didn't know what marriage was. I hate you. Be quiet. Quit saying that. And I hate your mother and I hate your father. And I hate your mother. I hate your father. And it was ugly. I'm, I can't even relate what we said. It was ugly. So anyhow, Genesis 2.24, here was the scripture. It says, leave your father and mother and cleave unto your wife. When I got laid off at Olin Matheson and I'm working part-time jobs, and I got rehired, Triangle Wire and Cable in Sachs, Missouri, I took the job. It's a really good job. It's a great opportunity for me. But we are now living 350 miles from our parents. For three years, I worked shift work at the plant. Denise worked for the telephone company for Bell South. I would come home. If Denise was at work, I would simply go in, drop my stuff on the table, walk across the cow pasture to my mom's house, and I would eat dinner at my mom's house. She fixed me dinner. She's my mama. If I needed to borrow any tools, I simply walked across the cow pasture and I borrowed my daddy's tools. I borrowed his jacket, pickup truck, a shotgun, his hunting dog, whatever he had, I borrowed. I didn't even ask for it. He's my daddy. If Denise needed something, she'd go visit her mom and dad. She'd borrow anything from food and recipes and stuff. And all of a sudden, we're living 350 miles away. It didn't take but one week to realize this isn't good. I've got no, I got no place to go eat. You need to cook something. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so, and Denise and I had, we had to start talking to one another. Now, we didn't go through counseling. We just realized, I don't know you. I don't know you. We need to talk. What do you think? Well, I don't think that. Well, well you must have changed. No, I thought that we got married. You just never asked me. And so we, we had to start growing together, leaning on one another. So we, we, were, we, had, we didn't have a TV. We had nothing. So for entertainment, I'd come home from work. We'd go to the city park there in Sykes. It only had 12,000 people. We would just go walking. We would pick up sweet gumballs. I don't know what we were going to do with it, but we had just sacks of sweet gumballs from the trees. And we'd talk. And for the first time in three years of marriage, we start asking each other questions and telling what we thought. And we realized we've got to start praying. If God doesn't show up, we're sunk. Because we've been leaning on our mommy and on our daddy, and I still love them. We go visit them two and three times a year, and we still have a great relationship with our surviving parents. But we would not grow because we were still hooked via umbilical cord to our parents. And I love my parents. I honor them, but I'm not married to you. I was to leave my father and mother. Not necessarily physically, but mentally. I'm, this is my spouse. This is my priority. I don't share things with my mom or dad that I don't share with my spouse. I don't share things with mom and dad that I have shared with my spouse. This is my number one priority. Parents went here, spouse went here. I love you, I'll help you, but my spouse is my number one priority. And so it really helped us develop a good marriage, I'll be honest with you. Second thing we did was we got spirit-filled, and this is, I've got to shorten this up, but uh, Luke 24, 49, and Acts 2, uh, 4, you know, uh, that crazy Methodist took us to Bible study. I never heard of the Holy Ghost, didn't know what it was, I made fun of it. But in the Bible study, I'm reading about it in the Bible, so I thought, Where, where's this Holy Ghost thing? Why do I need it? Jesus is more than enough. I said, yeah, but he gave the gift. Jesus went home. Jesus told his own mother, <laughs> Mary, when he floated up on the cloud, by the way, Mom and you other 499 people, I'm going to heaven. I'm floating up on a cloud. When I get there, I will send the Holy Spirit back. He will do the exact same thing for you I have done for you. 
But the challenge is I am now limited to a human body. I can only be one place at one time. I will go home with my human body and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back who's God just like me. He will do the exact same thing. He's not weird, strange, goofy, or wacky. He'll do the same thing for you I've done. Help you get your taxes paid. Heal your mother-in-law. Meet your needs. He's going to do the same thing I have done. Nothing different. The same thing except he can be everywhere all the time. Therefore, go to that upper room and wait there because as soon as I get on, I will send him back. How are you going to know when he shows up? <laughs> well, you have the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I know how controversial that is, but you just read the Bible. You don't need theology. Just read your own Bible, any translation. Like the Holy Ghost fell. And what was amazing was Jesus, as he's floating up on a cloud, you know, after he's come out of the grave, raised from the dead, still has got the nail prints in his hand, he's back. He's floating up on a cloud. He told 500 people to go wait for that Holy Spirit. 380 people who watched Jesus come out of the grave, nail prints in his hand, float up on a cloud, found something more important to do than go to that upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit to come back. No different today than it was the day Jesus left. It's a free will deal. You can do what you want, get what you want, have what you want. And I'll tell you the greatest one thing, and people say, listen, I love getting born again. I'm going to heaven, not going to hell, but my life radically changed and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It didn't make me weird or strange. I don't bark like a dog or cluck like a chicken. Unless I want to. <laughs> it's just a gift to empower me. But that was the second greatest thing that, that we did as a married couple. The third is we paid our tithe, Malachi 3.10. Um, and I shared the last time I was here when I got laid off, we put our uh, severance check in the offering on a Wednesday night, and I didn't want to. I argued with Denise, but I was just so mad. I did it in just because I was mad. I didn't give out of love, didn't get out of joy. There was no faith. I'm mad that my wife thinks we should put that check in. I said, that's the only check we've got to live off of for the next six weeks. In six weeks, it's going to run out. She said, if it's going to run out, let it run out tonight. At least we've got a seed to put in the ground to get a crop because right now we have nothing. We're going to be broke anyhow. Let's just get broke now. <laughs> At least we're going to give God something. Of course, you know, that's how I got that a job offer six months later from Missouri, and I got my hundredfold return on that. So we learned how to tithe. That's what's kept us blessed. Number four, we taught our children to set standards. Uh, Isaiah 54, 13, all of your children shall be taught of the Lord. We do not have perfect children. I've got six. None of them are perfect, but they are very good. Very good. I would let any one of them be interviewed one-on-one -on -one privately, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't flinch because we've always told the truth. With Denise and I ever gotten in an argument, we didn't go make up in the bedroom. We stood in front of them. Okay, I'm sorry about this, and you said this, and you're sorry about that. We fought, and we made up in front. We got to be truth. Truth sets you free. But we set standards. We don't do certain things in our home. You can't go out somewhere and stay at 2 a.m. People get killed at 2 a.m. I've never read about anything good that happened at 2 a.m. in the morning. Sun comes up, you get up. Sun goes down, you go to bed. It's a real simple system God's got set up. I don't let you hang around people that have stupid things come out of their mouth. Go from the presence of a foolish man if you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Desire and strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. So we guarded who they hung with, who their friends were. We taught them how to be a friend. We made them all go to, you know, the etiquette class and, and we did a little mini Toastmasters class. Learn how to talk, ask questions, help people, serve people. People who become greater people who serve, not people who show off. And so I'm just really proud because we did set a standard. It wasn't perfect. We had to change some things. I made some mistakes. But there was an effort to set a standard. This is how the McGee family will live. We will do this. This is what we think is important. Last thing, number five, is we laughed a lot. I like this. Uh, Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. It was a Thanksgiving. I was very angry. I like to clean house on Thanksgiving. 
and I'm about to sit down and be quiet, and I want an immaculate home. I'm going to smell the turkey and have the table just like the Norman Rockwell painting. But you got six kids. There's no Norman. Norman Rockwell didn't live in my house. <laughs> and so Denise got upset at me when Thanksgiving said, just calm down, Joe. I know you're upset. I'm going to get everything settled for you. Just calm down. We'll get the house immaculate. Your turkey will be in the middle of the table. You can go watch, you know, the football game. But I want you to know something. Eventually, the kids are going to leave home. They're going to grow up and leave home. And the day the last child leaves home, I'm going with them. <laughs> and now, if you know my wife, my wife never threatens. I'm, I'm serious. She never threatens. You know what I'm going to do? You know, no, she never does that. If she tells you something, pour concrete on it. It's a done deal. And so I knew she was serious. And I'm going to leave you when the last child leaves. You can just have your nice, immaculate, clean, contented, quiet home. All to yourself. And I knew she was serious. Now, it took me about a year because I didn't change immediately. It scared me, made me mad, and it scared me. I thought, I got to change. I got to change. And then they said, Joe, you used to laugh a lot. You don't laugh anymore. I said, I got six kids. <laughs> Need to busting stuff, breaking stuff, or needing stuff, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm having to get more cars, more insurance, fix crooked teeth, pay for summer camps. Like, you know, I'm just, man, I was just messed up. And so it took about a year, and finally I lightened up. I mean, it, it was just, and Denise will tell you today, her greatest, if she, what's the greatest thing you love about Joe? And said, well, he laughs a lot. What's the most irritating thing about Joe? He laughs a lot. <laughs> and so I, have, I don't have a lot of perception on timing. I just think everything's funny. It's just funny. If it's not fun, funny to me, that's funny. I shouldn't laugh. That's <laughs> just funny. Anyhow. That were the five things that we did that were good. And here are the five things she was very adamant about we would have done different. Could we go back? I'm going here for something. Number one, she said we would find out who we were in Christ before we ever got married. We got married. We didn't know who we were. We didn't know any in him, in whom, in Christ. We just knew us. I know what I like, what I don't like, and that's what I'm bringing to the table. Well, that's why we almost divorced three years into our marriage. If you don't know who you are in Christ, when you don't get married, marriage is a gift from God. If you don't know God, you'll make that gift into a, it'll be something poison. It'll kill you because it's got power. Water's got power. It'll quench your thirst. It'll drown you. Fire's got power in it. It'll either grill your steak or burn you to death. Marriage has got power in it. You don't handle it the way God intended, it will be hell on earth for you. And so if we went back, what would we do different? I'm not marrying you. You're not marrying me. We go through the 134 scriptures in the New Testament of in him, in whom, and in Christ. We don't find out who we are in God. We won't be anybody to each other. Because i got to bring what God brings. Love, I, didn't, I wasn't born with any love. There's only one source of love in the universe, and that's God. For God so loved the world, God is love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. If I don't have God, I don't have love, I'm lying. If I tell you I love you and I don't know Christ, I'm a liar. I have no concept what love is. Love is incredibly sacrificial. It's all about you, not about me. But most marriage counseling I do with Christians is 50-50. Well, I'll do for them, they'll do for me, and I did this for her. Why don't she do this for me? She did this for him. And it's like they're playing checkers with one another. I see a marriage is a covenant. When you got married, you died. You don't exist anymore. You drop dead. When you said I do, you're dead. You promise before God and witness for the rest of your life, you'll live for them. You don't have any needs or want. Shut your face up. And then you'll have a happy marriage. <laughs> That's a seminar. That's another. Anyhow, first we'd find out who we were in Christ. Second, we'd find out what we're doing here. And I really like this Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision of people perish. I had no goals in life when I got married. Uh, I believe my daddy told me the truth. He said, you get out of school. Uh, if you got drafted, I got my draft notice, you go to the army, you get a job, you get married, and you wait till you die. And that's pretty much what life is made up of. Well, I've done everything except die. Uh, really, 
I'm 20 years old. What have you done? Well, I've done everything. Two years in the army thing. I've done this. I've done this. I'm out of high school. I got married. I'm just waiting until I die. Let's just hang out. I had no clue that God had a plan for my life or my wife's life or our family or our business. Or I had no clue that God had detailed plans that he would order steps and direct paths and guide it all through. So one of the big things I've always done with my children every year, we do the vision thing every, every year between Christmas and New Year's. I want to see what do you plan to be a year from now, five years, 10, and 20. I want a five, 10, and 20-year plan written out. You're going to hand it to me. We just did it in vacation. We were up in Gatlinburg for family vacation at Christmas, and uh, we did it again with my son-in-laws. Give it to me. I'll see you a year from now. Because if you don't have a plan, you're not praying. People don't pray unless there's a reason to pray. They just don't. I know human nature. You're not praying unless something's pressing in on you or unless you're looking for something. Well, I think I've got a few hours. Let me just go pray a while by myself. People don't do that. They only pray when hell lands or they pray when they need something. Prayer is effective, but you need to learn how to do it aggressively. So the second thing is find out what we're doing here. Number three, I like this. <laughs> what do I want in a spouse? Oh, this was controversial. We fought on this from the platform in Somerset. What are you looking for in a spouse? Well, let's see. What am I looking for? Well, I, when I was carnal, I'm looking, first of all, a good-looking thing. I don't want to wake up next to somebody ugly. And if you don't have makeup, at least be pretty. If you got bad breath, at least have some Listerine. We've got a few things you need to do here. And so I thought, what are you looking for? Well, basically, I want to be attracted to you. Number two, I want to like talking to you. Number three, I want to like kissing you. Number four, I want you to cook good because I want to eat something. And you can laugh. I'm very serious. That was pretty much my four basic, what do you want, this? Well, you know, I pretty much I had that. Denise was pretty. She did cook good, and she looked good even without her makeup, you know. And, and she's always smelled good. She's, I never, if she's got body odor, I've never smelled it. She smells good all the time. Like, God, you smell good. What do you got on? Nothing. It's just me. Man, God bless you, woman. My God. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm serious. But after a while, you realize you need more than that. Well, what Denise wanted was what I should have been doing as a husband. She's a help me, but she couldn't help me because I wasn't going anywhere. I'm through. I got out of high school, got out of the army, I have a job. I'm through. It's just me and you. And so, well, Joe, what are we going to do? About what? You know, she wanted a bigger house. Why? We don't need a bigger house. We got a $55 a month rent house. I got a brand new pickup truck. It doesn't have an air conditioner, but I put a fan in it. What do you want? What is, what kind of crazy woman are you? And I realized she had needs I had no concept of because I had no vision. So the third thing we would do is we'd write down a vision. Here's what I expect to do in life. If I'm marrying you, these are going to be tied together somehow. What vision? Where are we going? I like this. The fourth thing is this discipline fairly. I was way too harsh. Micah 6, 8. Three things, O man of God, do I require of you. My first two children I have a very close relationship with. Talked to both of them this morning. But I was a horrible father to both of them. I was incredibly strict. I expect straight A's. I don't expect you to do anything wrong. You better be dressed immaculate. You better talk immaculate. Or I'm coming on you like a storm. And I did. I remember I told the story where I granted my oldest daughter. She was captain of the basketball team. And it was our Christmas tournament. She made a B. Uh, and she always made straight A's. She made a B. And I grounded her from the Christmas tournament. She made a B. Most parents are buying cake and ice cream and throwing a party. But I was so wacky coming out of a messed up family. We're not doing that. And that's good. You, you've been lazy. You made a B. You didn't try. I'm grounding you. Well, my own pastor came to me. Friends came to me. Well, why have you grounded your daughter? She made a B. Not your kid, my kid. You know, I was just arrogant, ignorant, and I'm just surprised I still have any friends. And, uh, and so God dealt with me months later where I had to repent. God, I'm so sorry. And so uh, my older kids, if they were here, will tell you that daddy turned into a giant marshmallow. <laughs> I was like Santa Claus stuck upside down in everybody's chimney. Ho, ho, ho. 
And so I wouldn't let my older kids go anywhere. I let my younger four go everywhere. Hey, you want to go somewhere? Go somewhere. My God, let's just have a good time. Let's just, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so it was just very, very different. And so, but we grow in God's grace and in his knowledge. So I was way too harsh. If I had to do it again, I'd lighten up. Now we've got standards, rules for the house, but hey, man, the righteous fall seven times a day to get back up. You're trying to restore people, not condemn them. The devil's got that part covered. We don't need to make them feel bad. Then the fifth thing, here's where I wanted to go that we would do. So we would meet. We had it to do over. We would meet a lot more often than we did. Um, you know, the Bible says two come together, two. And so one thing, we don't, we don't meet often enough. We need to get together and talk. Because when we moved away after three years and 11 next to our parents, we realized we never did talk. We have to make time. We did that not because we did something right. We didn't have a choice. We have no neighbors. We don't know anybody. I guess you're not going to have to visit. How you doing? <laughs> no, you can laugh. I'm serious. How was your day? All right. What'd you do? Work. My <sighs> God, you still got another five hours for bedtime. What are we going to do? <laughs> so at least we started walking. That got us in really good shape for about four years and uh, and we realize we have no clue what we're doing, so we don't talk. And if we're not talking, we realize later on we're not praying. Because you won't pray what you're not concerned about. So what I want to do is give you these scriptures. I'm just going to read these to you sort of deliberately. Uh, there's a thing of, uh, let's do this. This is, uh, I used to carry a globe. Matter of fact, I had one with me. I left it at the girl's house. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I'll give you these. This is a. Uh, I used to carry around the globe, and I just, as a show-and-tell thing, I said, listen, we live on planet Earth. And I'd buy this globe. I've got to blow up one now. Globe, here it is, United States of America. Here we are, Tennessee. Here we are, all good. You know, right here, here we are on this planet. On this planet Earth, 8,000 miles wide, sitting in the Milky Way galaxy. You know, uh, you know our sun's 800,000 miles wide. We're 8,000 miles wide. You know, we're, we're in the Milky Way galaxy that's 1 to 200,000 light years wide. Now, you know, a light year is how fast, light years, how fast you can travel one year at the speed of light. A light year, how fast light travels in a year. Well, light travels 186,000 miles a second. 186,000 miles. We're 8,000 miles wide on this planet. Light can go 186,000 miles in one second. A light year is how fast that light will travel in one year. Now, I'd give you the number, but it, I don't remember the name. It's really long. How fast can light travel in a year at 186,000 miles a second? Well, the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, our galaxy is 100 to 200,000 light years wide, depending on where you measure it. In other words, to go from one side of the Milky Way to the other will take you 100,000 light years, 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light to go from one side of the Milky Way to the other. There are 93 billion known galaxies. I went too fast. <laughs> We're on planet Earth, 8,000 miles wide, all good Tennessee, in the Milky Way, in the, sitting in our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. Milky Way galaxy is 100,000. Let's just keep the short end. We're 100,000 miles wide. That's how fast light travels, you know, in a year, and it's going 186,000 miles a second. For 100,000 years. For 100,000 years at that speed. That's how wide the Milky Way galaxy is. And we're one of 93 billion known galaxies. Really big. <laughs> Here I am, and all good this morning. Now, God said, according to His Word, God's all knowing, all powerful, everywhere, all the time. 
God knows how many hairs are on my head right now. He knows the days of my life are numbered. God's very detailed. God is love, very loving, very caring. Will order my steps, direct my paths, guide them all truth. Here I am on an alien planet. My great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, used to own this whole place. We had a big ranch. We owned the whole place. But he went stupid and lost it in a business deal. My big brother came and bought it back for me. It's mine, but I've got to run off all the tenants that are squatters on my property now. And I shorten up a lot of theology right there. <laughs> and, so, and so here I am on an alien planet. Now, now, with that in mind, here I am trying to be a good husband. We've got born again, spirit filled. We've learned what we did good and what we wish we'd have done different. We're growing in God's grace. I love my wife. She loves me. We still have disagreements from time to time. I love my kids. They love me. We still don't agree all the time, but we're growing in God's grace and knowledge, born again. So here I'm on this planet. Now that in Ephesians 6, uh, I'm going to jump in here at verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul writing the church at Ephesus, final word, final word he said, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. <laughs> that means the devil, the fallen angel, who's temporary, Satan, God of this planet, who has demons working for them, he doesn't like me. He's strategizing against me every day. He's plotting and planning against me, my marriage, my family, my ministry, my children. He's plotting against me. Now, if you read through just, uh, oh, just the epistles, you know, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, you see, you, the devil is never a major subject. You know, if you go back to 1 Peter, he's not mentioned in chapter 4. Ephesians is not mentioned in chapter 6. He's never like, you better watch out, big bad devil, you know. It's almost like he's an afterthought with the Apostle Paul. It's like, by the way, by the way, and that's where he's getting here. He's already talked about a lot of stuff we need to do in him, in Christ, in whom, how we live. By the way, he says, you know, don't give place to the devil. You know, resist him and he will flee as in sheer terror. And when he does talk about it, he never tells him to be afraid. Just be wary. He is plotting against you. He can't touch you, but he's plotting against you. He can't take you out unless you let him, but he is plotting against you. Don't worry about him, but he is plotting against you. Are you kind of getting this? Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walks about his roaring line looking for an opportunity. Don't give him. That's why Paul said, give no place to the devil. Don't, what gives place to him? Sin opens the door to the devil. That's why you and I every day get to repent and forgive. That's why David prayed that great Davidic prayer, oh, God, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. If there is, lead me out in the way everlasting. Don't let me leave an open door to the devil. I want to shut the door on him. So it comes here and it says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm, stand firm against all. Everybody say all. So there's nothing I can't stand against, according to Paul. He said, listen, stand firm against all strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Now, every counseling appointment I have ever done involved a human who is mad at another human. My phone call from my nephew last night, he wants me to call his fiance because she's threatening him to not marry him if he didn't get down there right now. I said, well, then you sure don't want to marry her. Because if she's putting a demand on you as a fiance, wait till you get married. <laughs> and I said, I'm not calling her. I'm going to give her 24 hours to calm down. I'll talk to you again tomorrow evening. Who you met? I've never met her yet. And he said, well, I want you to marry us. I'm not marrying anybody unless I count you. And I need to see you face to face. I'm not going to do it by phone one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to sit down face to face together. 
and do something. Right now, you got me. I don't think she ought to be anywhere near you. She's threatening you already. So I realized, but flesh and blood's not your enemy. Well, if you can just get her and hug me, that's not your problem. And so he's real backslidden. He's not in the things of God. And the devil's yanked him like a yo-yo, taking him captive at his will, the Bible says. He goes and says here, uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm in all good Tennessee, right here. United States of America, on this side of the planet, that's twirling around the daytime, sun's facing us. I'm sitting here on this 8,000 wide planet, in the middle of the Milky Way galaxy. What is it? Well, between me and wherever heaven is, by the way, heaven is not in this realm. It's in another dimension. You can't get in a spaceship and go find God. Just so throw that out for you. But between where me and God is, that there are demonic spirits in heavenly places trying to stop me getting to God and God getting to me. Now, we'll go into it in great detail tonight. Prayer is critical. Jesus, I've taught you, I think uh, when I was here last August, Jesus said, I know what you need before you ask, but I need you to ask. Why? I can't do a thing for you unless you pray. That's not, that's not legal. I'm not allowed on earth unless you ask me. You as a human, I as a human. You ask me, I can come down there. If you don't ask me, I can't come down there. I'll watch you go through hell, get sick, die, go broke. I can't do a thing for you. God's not a human. He's not moved out of pity. So I try to always look at that globe. I've always kept one in my office and at my house. What are you doing? I got a mental picture. Where are you at on this planet? What are you doing? I'm hooked up to God. I belong to him. Jesus is my elder brother. He's in heaven praying for me right now. Matter of fact, if prayer wasn't important, I'll give you three scriptures tonight. Jesus is ever living to make intercession for me right now. What did he do when he went to heaven? Started praying. Who did? Jesus. Who? Son of God got raised from the dead. What's he doing? He's praying right now for me. Why? His father will not move unless he gets asked. Not legal. The Bible says, pray without ceasing all the time about everything. Don't stop. Because the minute I stop, heaven shuts down and stares at me. And I'm not in heaven. I'm on an alien planet with demonic spirits. And the devil does not like me trying to steal, kill, and destroy. How are you going to get out of it? Outwork it? Outthink it? I love what's here. You're going to outthink something? Now, no. No, I'm going to lean on God. I'm going to call on him and he will answer me. And show me great and mighty things I know not. But if I don't call on him, he knows what I'm going through before it hits me. Joe, I saw that coming before you were ever born. I've already made a way out. If you don't ask me, I can't show you. Prayer's not a religion. Well, I'm going to pray more and get holy. He don't get holy, he get answers. You know, because I bless myself. Anyhow. Therefore, it says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Resist who? <laughs> Son, here you are, and all good. You, you got an enemy. What? You got an enemy. He's in the heavenly realm. He's got lots of guys working for him. He doesn't like you. But I need you to resist him. What? Resist him. What's it mean? Well, he's going to come. I can't resist what's not pressing in against me. We're all being pressed about on every side, all of us. We're either thumb sucking about it, crying about it, gossiping about it, or we're taking a stand and resisting it. No, that was good. It says, then after the battle, you'll be able to still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor. This is so good. The body armor of God's righteousness. Uh, for shoes put on uh, the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition, all these hold on to the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. God's mentioned the devil three times in this passage through Paul. He said, 
I need you to buckle up, shore up, and get ready. Why? You have an enemy. It's not flesh and blood. It's in the heavenly realm. I need you to get after it. I need you to pound heaven. And so watch this now. He says, put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Everybody say all times. Say it again. Most churches make fun of spirit-filled people. If you just read your Bible, I don't care what denomination you are. You read any translation. It's in there over and over and over. Pray in the Spirit. But why? Well, the Holy Spirit in me, who took Jesus' place, Jesus went home, said the Spirit back, will pray for me God's perfect will for my life. He said, you know not, Romans 8, which you ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself will make intercession for you. The devil doesn't understand what the Spirit's saying. Do you understand that? I'm just telling you what he said here. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. So God will give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews as well as the Gentiles alike. Now Paul's saying this, I need you to pray for yourself. I need you to pray for me. Well, you're the Apostle Paul. You pray in the Spirit more than anybody, don't you? Uh-huh. You're writing two-thirds New Testament, aren't you? Mm-hmm. But what happened? If I don't pray for an open door, I don't get one. They don't invite me because I'm famous. Now, I'll read it tonight, the 39 things he listened to happen to him. I've been beat to death, locked up in prison, boat sank, snake bit me. I'm the Apostle Paul. I prayed more than all of them. I've had more hell to deal with. If I wasn't praying, I wouldn't make it. You can sink my boat. I won't drown. You can have the snake by me. I will not die. You will not stop. I didn't say it would. I didn't say tests and trials wouldn't come. That's why you overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your test testimony. Tests come to all of us. But if you're not a believer in the word, you'll think, well, what am I doing so wrong? Well, what's wrong with God? Why is God mad at me? He's not mad at you. You've done nothing wrong. You just, the devil ate your guts. No, oh, I just blessed myself again. Now, let me give you this, and this is real good. I love this thing. Uh, this got quoted. This is Daniel's prayer. I read in Daniel chapter 10. It's just two verses here, verse 12. Uh, well, I'll just back up to verse 10. Mm. Just then a hand touched me. This is Daniel talking. And lifted me up, still trembling, uh, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. <laughs> so when he said this to me, I was still, I stood up trembling, like, oh my God, something's messing with me. Then he said, this angel has come to Daniel, and he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day. Everybody say first day. Say it again. We're going to stop here in just a second. Since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. How long have you been praying? 21 days. When did you hear me first day? When did you hear me first day you prayed? 21 days ago? Uh-huh. Where you been? Well, I'm about to explain that. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. That's a demonic spirit over Persia. Remember Ephesians 6? Principalities, powers over this world. I'm on planet Earth. Surrounding this planet, a lot of demon spirits. Why? Adam handed this planet over to the devil and his horde when he sinned. Satan is God of this planet. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, John 10, 10, steal and kill and destroy. What do you have? I'm on an alien planet. Flesh your enemy? There's no flesh that's my enemy. Nowhere. I have enemies. They're not flesh. They're spirits. So Daniel said, what's going on? I prayed 21 days ago. The spirit prince of Persia, of the kingdom of Persia, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. What happened? Well, 
There are levels of demons and prince. There's levels of angels. I'm sitting there wrestling. What happened? Michael, the archangel, the Pumbaa angel, came down, put a thumping on him. Saul wasn't prevailing. So watch it now. I'm just reading what it says. One of the archangels came to help me. I left there with him, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future and for the vision that concerns a time yet to come. When I'm praying for my wife, my children, me, my ministry, my mother, my father-in-law just got back out of a nursing home against like, what are you doing? I'm praying the absolute perfect will of God because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses the thing is established. So number one, if I don't know the will of God, I got nothing to pray. God doesn't watch over my word. He watches over his word. That's why I'm to meditate in the word day and night. Then I'll prosper and have good success. That's also why I'm to pray without ceasing. Why? If I'm not praying God's word, he can't move. It's not legal. God, I'll cry, he'll cry. He can't move. It's not legal. Prayer, this has got to be the year we kick out, we kick out the door and we begin to move. Well, we're just waiting on the Lord. I hate that saying. You're doing what? Well, we're just waiting on God. Is he busy? Is there a traffic jam in heaven? Is he tied up with a lot of other stuff? Like maybe he's overwhelmed. I don't know. Oh, I've got so much. I can't get to you right now. I've got too many other people on the line. God's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-hearing. Nothing taps God. It just, he's waiting. For what? I need you to pray. About what? Well, I'll go back to Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. But you worried about something? Pray it. Quit thinking it and pray it. But I'm concerned about my job. Well, then why don't you ask me to give you a shield of divine favor, Psalms 512. You know, if you're worried about getting laid off, Father, I need a job. You don't work, you don't need it. Well, then pray, and I'll help you. So all of a sudden, you begin to go through this. Now, tonight, I'm going to give you all the 15 just really quick scriptures and share that. Now, here's what I want to do in closing with this, because I don't want to overwhelm. I've told my kids, like, anytime you come to me, I'm going I'm to agree with you. And I shared last time, and it sounds arrogant, but it's like, don't come to anything gum-flapping, according to Matthew 18, 19. I'm going to agree with whatever you think you're getting. I'm not ever going to get a raise. According to Matthew 18, 19, I agree with you. You'll never get a raise in Jesus' name. May God give you the desires of your heart. <laughs> and you can laugh. I'm very serious. You ask any of my kids, you say anything ugly, I'm going to jump on that like a duck on a June bug. Mark 11:24. 24, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. I get what I pray for, not what I worry about. Be anxious for nothing. Roll your cares over and God free cares for you. So this is, a, this is a whole seminar, and I'm going to close just reading it redundant, just so you understand. These are all the prayers of Jesus. There's 25 of them. I wrote down every time he prayed. And I realized Jesus is the Son of God, but he spent a lot of time in prayer. Why? He's here as a human. <laughs> well, he's God, isn't he? Uh-huh. But he's here as a human. He didn't cheat. He wouldn't move without asking his Father what to do. He said, the things I do, and tonight we'll read Paul's list. The things I do, you'll do also. If you're not praying, God's not moving. He can't. Or you'll end up in the wrong place, the wrong. Well, how did I get here? Well, maybe you didn't ask for direction. Maybe you didn't seek God. God said he ordered your steps, direct your past, guide you all truth, show you things to come. You asking for that? You thinking for that? Or are you just going on your own deal? Now, here it is. I'll just read. I'm going to jump past the first part because this is the Lord's Prayer. Because they're asking, Father, how do we pray? He said, well, go to your room, shut your door, and pray to the Father in secret. For the Father who sees in secret will reward openly. You know, you ever had somebody pray those long religious prayers? And I'm not making fun. I used to do it. But I was eating a dinner with some pastors yesterday, and I'll tell you right now, it's like, oh God, we must be believing for a revival meeting here. Oh, God in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name, and thank you for this solemn opportunity. Like, oh, come on. The food's already getting cold. <laughs> it's like Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time and place for everything. Food prayer. Food prayer. Not revival prayer. Food prayer. 
I'm not praying to be holy. I'm praying so I don't get sick when I eat it. I don't know who's been handling it. I'm praying so I don't get sick. I'm not even getting thankful. Lord, bless this food and nourish my body. I won't get sick. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not praying to show off. Go shut your door and pray like that. And when they question Jesus, now this is a whole uh, two-day seminar I do, the, 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 this prayer. When they question, well, Lord, how do we pray? So, well, pray in this manner. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let's just take that little King James sloppy right there. Jesus said, pray this, our Father, I pray your kingdom be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because unless I ask it, it won't be. I'm not trying to be religious or off. I'm asking, Father, I want your will to be done here as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, not the devil's will. I pray your will be done in my life, in my business, in my church, in my community. Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, he's telling us how to pray. He's not trying to be religious. This is what you need to ask. Of course, it's great stuff, and I'm, I don't have time to go into the rest of it. But let's go to this. I'll jump down to Mark chapter 5, verse 44. These are all Jesus' prayers. He said, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. <laughs> I got some prayers. Prayer, she bear rip your eyeballs out, still near your throat. I got some good prayers. No, wrong prayer. <laughs> and this is just the highlight. Jesus prayed for his enemies. Why? Because if you don't, they'll keep coming. What kind of prayers do you pray? Biblical prayers. I pray confusion into the enemy's camp. Lord, I pray the fear of God on them. Teach them to fear you. You got somebody missing, Father, I pray the fear of God on them. And Jesus, teach them to fear you. Fear God is the beginning of wisdom. If they're coming against you and you're a believer, that's not wisdom. That's not right. What's the best way? Father, teach them to fear you in Jesus' name. I command blindness to be removed from their minds, light in the eyes of understanding. So Jesus prayed for his enemies. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Why? Well, because people are dying going to hell. We need people to witness to them. Well, why won't God just do that? If God doesn't, if it's not God's will, we go to hell. Why don't he just save people? He can. It's not legal. He needs somebody to ask him. Now, the old thing of intercession prayer, God said, I've searched in the earth to and fro trying to find somebody to show myself strong in. What was he looking for, an intercessor? I want to save Israel, but I can't find anybody in Israel that will ask me. Therefore, judgment's coming. I would stay the judgment. The whole thing of Jonah. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Tell them to repent. I don't want them to repent. I don't like them. I hope they all die and go to hell. God says, no, I'm giving them one last shot. Four, four cycles of judgment. It's their 400th year. Judgment's about to fall. I need you to go give them one last shot. I am a gracious, loving God. Give them one last shot. And, of course, you know the thing about Jonah. You know, the whale swallowed him, and he took him right back where he got on the boat, spit him up. He still had to walk for days to get to Nineveh. Preached a sorry sermon. You ever read it? It's just a sorry man. God. But it was God that used the sermon, convicted the king of Nineveh. They repented in sackcloth and ashes, and judgment was stayed another 400 years. God said, somebody there evidently is praying. I'm trying to get a word to the king that he'll get the country to turn. And th throughout the Bible, any story you read Old or New Testament, prayers involved. God said, I can't do anything. And the well was just, God told Hezekiah, you're going to die. Get your house in order. And so he turns around toward the wall, starts squalling, bawling. You know, the prophet doesn't get out of the front yard. God says, go back tell him he's got 15 more years. He's just asked me. I thought you just said he's going to die. Well, he was, but he asked me, and I've got to give him 15 more years. But I thought you said it was your will. He died. It is. He's ready to go. Pumbaa, he's out of here. Well, then why did you turn, change your mind? I didn't change my mind. He asked me, I've got to give him 15 more years. Nobody reads their Bible. <laughs> Anyhow, I like this, uh, Matthew 14, uh, 23, said, uh, well, by the way, the labors, you're not going to get labors if you don't pray for them. Lord, you need to raise up labors. But y'all pray here. I've already passed talking about it. We need labors. We need people to go out and be a witness, be a blessing. 
This one right here, I like this. Said, uh, Jesus, uh, Matthew 14, 23, went by himself to pray. Matthew 17, 21. This kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Wow, there's levels of demons and devils. Some you need to have authority over. Sometimes you might need to get somebody to get in agreement with you. You might have some intercession prayer. You might need to fast today. Jesus taught that. There are levels of demons and devils and levels of prayer you're going to have to kick into it. Ooh, I like that. That bless myself again. Matthew 21, 13 says this. My house should be called a house of? Say it. Say it again. When Jesus said it, I guess he didn't make it up. What kind of house you got? House of prayer. Why? Because nothing's going to happen if you don't. I don't need you to go in there and be religious, sit down fast and, you know, just throw dirt on your head. I need you to ask me stuff because I can't move on this planet. So my house will be called, known for people praying. Whoa, that was good. I like this, Matthew 21, whatever things you ask, believing, you'll receive. Matthew 26, sit here while I go away and pray. Jesus, Matthew 26, 39, fell on his face and prayed. Verse 41, Jesus said, watch and pray. Jesus said, I can pray to my Father. He'll provide me more than 12 legions of angels. You couldn't arrest me right now unless I let you. You know when they came to arrest me? You couldn't even arrest me unless I let you because I could pray and I can get enough angels to box your ears. My Father hears me. You're only doing this because I'm letting you. Jesus said that. You got to think of it. I wish they'd make a movie just with that statement. We doing nothing. I don't let you. They tried to throw rocks at him, but they didn't hit him. They tried to shove him off a cliff, but they kept he kept getting lost in the crowd. Why? I'm here to do my father's will, and you can't stop it. You can make a run at me, but you can't stop me. You can threaten me, but you can't stop me. You can arrest me, you can't stop me. I will fulfill what I'm called and gifted to do. Woo! Have mercy. I like this. Mark one. Verse 35, this is about Jesus having risen a long time before daylight. He departed to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 6, 46, he departed to a mountain to pray. Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you ask when you pray. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, when you stand praying, forgive because unforgiveness will limit your prayer life. So if you're offended to anybody, somebody's offended you, get that settled when you go to prayer or it's going to limit what's going to happen. We'll talk about that tonight. Mark 13, 33, watch and pray. Luke 5, he often withdrew himself to pray. Uh, give you these last five right here. I like this. He said, I have prayed for your faith that it will not fail. I pray for you that you enter not into temptation. Evidently, you need to pray you don't enter into temptation. That'd be a good prayer to pray every day, Father. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's not just King James gum flappy. That's legitimate prayer. Why the devil's trying to take you out through evil, sinful stupidity. You dealing with any family members that have done evil, sinful, stupid lately? Well, how do you need Father? Deliver them from evil. Take blindness from their minds. Enlighten the eyes of understanding. Draw them out of your goodness. Send labors across their path. I have power over my family. But not if I'm not praying. And I've caught myself just gum flapping about it. Can you believe what they did? Did you hear what they said? Do you know what they're doing? And God isn't moving over that. I'm just about more demons to get involved. Life and death and the power of the tongue. The tongue of the flatterer. The tongue of the gossip. Whew. Invites hell. Shut your mouth. Say something good. I'll give this last one here. John 17, 15. I pray that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed this, Father, don't take them out of the world. I pray, keep them from the evil one that's in the world. I pray that over my kids every day. I thank you for keeping my family from the evil one that's in the world. It must be legitimate or Jesus would not have prayed it. Now, what we're going to do tonight, what Pastor did with you with the card last week. I love your sermons, by the way. So, on the Beatitude thing, I believe in writing things down. So I tell people, just start with something simple. Start believing God for something. Get you two scriptures or three and just start thanking God. God inhabits praise. Father, I thank you for my spouse or my kid. And I thank you. You're going to work in them and work all things out to your good. And you're going to redeem this situation. Make the devil pay you that. 
Start giving, and angels will stop reading magazines and start flapping around. It's just amazing. <laughs> and then, of course, I, I remember when, uh, and we'll talk about this opening up tonight, when Peter, Peter was in prison, and of course the church was praying that he'd get delivered. <laughs> so the angel came and slapped him on the side because he must have been sleeping really good. He's in prison. He's got soldiers chained to him. And man, he's getting ready to face the king the next day, and they slap him on the side to wake him up. And he's like, get up, get up, get dressed. And so he's up and he's getting dressed. What is it? We're going. Where? And they walk past two guards. They're not asleep. They're just standing there. But they couldn't see them because the angel protected. So Peter walks past both guards out into the courtyard. Now the Bible says that Peter thought he was dreaming. He didn't think it was real. He thought he had a dream. He gets out in the courtyard outside the, the, the jail and he realizes, oh man, that wasn't a dream. I've just been delivered. Well, he gets excited, takes off running back to the house where all of his people are. Well, his people have been having a 24-hour prayer vigil for his deliverance. So he gets there, and he's knocking on the door because the door's locked because everybody's afraid of the Roman. Boom, 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 boom. And a little girl comes to the door and like, hey, hey, let me in. Peter, yeah, hey, let me in. And she got so excited, she went and unlocked the door. She went back and told everybody that was praying, Peter's here. No, he's not. That's why we're praying. No, no, he's the front door. Shut up, sit down. That's why we're praying. He's locked up. And they wouldn't believe that their prayer had been answered until finally she drug him out there. Well, dear Lord, we were just praying that you'd be delivered. <laughs> I was. You can stop praying now and pray for something else. God answers prayer. It's the number one job of the church. In the book of Acts, the apostles had a great miracle. Jesus has gone to heaven on the cloud. We're going to build a church. We've had 5,000 people in one day. Hey, how's your church growing? Well, we had no people yesterday. We've got 5,000 today. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> But they got so busy taking care of the prosperity that the Greeks and the Jews are fighting each other because they're taking care of widows and orphans and waiting tables. And the, the, the prosperity of God's caused another problem. Golly, now we've been believing God to increase and look at all the stuff that came with it. Because <laughs> stuff comes with increase. You know that, don't you? And so finally the apostle said, we got a problem. We have stopped doing the thing that created this. What were you doing? We were fasting and praying. We were studying the Word. We're praying and studying, studying, praying. And all of a sudden, what we were doing and studying, praying, boom, 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 produced this. And we stopped studying and praying and began to take care of the thing the studying and the praying got us. Everybody goes through a cycle. Everybody. And they all of a sudden realize, well, we can't do this anymore. We've got to find us seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Because it's not right that we're waiting on tables. Yes, they need to be waited on. The widows need to be taken care of. The orphans need to be taken care of. These people need to be helped. But that's not our job. We've got to get people to do that job. We must find seven men of the Holy Ghost to do this job that we might continue to give ourselves to prayer and the study of the Word. It was prayer and the study of the Word that produced this. If we don't continue to pray and study the Word, this will level out. I remember through presidential elections over the years, we always said, well, if we can get them elected, we're going to be fine. And I remember times we got who we wanted to get elected, and the church stopped praying. <laughs> Sometimes the best thing for the church is don't get who you want. Well, dear God, look who we got. I guess you'll have to pray. <laughs> Just the thought, let's stand up. You learned anything this morning? Say this after me. Said, I love to pray. Come on, say it like you mean it. I love to pray. I believe that. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to learn all about prayer. 
I will pray effectual prayer. I believe that. You know, the Bible says the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that's what we want. We want to be effective. Listen, guys, you can pray when you're driving to work, when you're doing the dishes, when you're paying your bills. The one thing about the Holy Ghost, you can pray with understanding, you can pray with the Spirit. You can sing with understanding, you can sing. God gave us the Holy Spirit to do the same thing Jesus did. He's going to help you. He'll even help you pray. About what? What's coming up? I have a good will for your life, a perfect will. But if you don't ask me, I can't do it. But the Holy Ghost in you will pray through you to me, and my perfect will will be done. I didn't say hell wouldn't make a run at you. It won't be able to stop you. We're living an adventure. We don't want to get off the ride. We want to go all the way to the finish line. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning, myself, my family included. Lord, if we are blinded in any area, I ask you in Jesus' name, take that blindness from our mind and lighten the eyes of our understanding. Draw us out of your goodness. Father, I ask you, may 2013 be a year of prayer. We're going to learn how to and be effective in praying to you, getting you involved in our life, our family, our finances, our health, our church, our community, our country. We will be those that stand in the gap. You can depend on us, Father. Grow us in your grace. Grow us in your knowledge, Father. Send labors across our path. Father, we're going to be efficient, effective prayer warriors this year. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, heads bowed and eyes closed for 60 seconds. Nobody moving, nobody looking for one short minute. Everybody said, bowed, eye closed. Two quick questions this morning. Nobody looking, nobody moving. Are you here this morning? You say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have never, ever asked him into my heart. But God's been dealing with me lately. And Joe, I'd like to do something about that this morning. If that's you, I would like to pray a 30-second prayer over you right out of the book of Romans. The Bible says this, men really don't save men. God saves men. But in just a few seconds, if that's you, if you're willing to acknowledge you need to save by simply raising your hand, waving it at me, putting it right back down, I'm going to see it. God's going to see it. Nobody else is looking. If you're willing to do that in a few seconds, God said in heaven, he will save you right where you stand. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. It's just that simple. If you're willing to acknowledge you need a Savior, God said he'll save you right where you stand. Old things will pass away. All things will become new. God will make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. You don't save you. God saves you. You're just going to give him permission in a few seconds by simply raising your hand saying, God, would you please save me? Put it right back down. And God in heaven will save you right where you stand. And you will leave here different than you came in, I promise you. Or perhaps you're here this morning and say, Joe, I am saved, but I've not been living for God lately. My life has not turned out quite like I thought. But I've been convicted this morning. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. I let Jesus save me, Joe, but I'm not yielded to his lordship. But this morning, Joe, I want to rededicate my life. I want to show God I am serious. I'm ready to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. I'm ready for Jesus not just to be my savior, Joe. I'm ready for Jesus to come and be the Lord of my life, my family, my future, my faith, my finances. I'm ready for the lordship of Jesus. If that's you, in just a few seconds, you can raise your hand and put it right back down, and God in heaven will forgive you every sin you have ever committed in a moment of time. Take your sins as far as the east is from the west. Put them in the depths of the sea. There will be no record of your sins in heaven, and God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from me. It will never get easier than this. Two of the greatest miracles God can do, save souls and forgive sins. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Joe, that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the first time. Would you pray that prayer over me? Or, Joe, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. I'm ready to get serious with God this year. If that's you on either count right now, would you simply just get your hand up and wave it up and put it right back down? Thank you. Thank you for your bonus. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Joe, thank you right there. I saw your hand. Anyone else? Yes, thank you for your bonus. Anyone else? Joe, pray for me. I want to know I'm right with God before I leave this building. It's the, thank you. I see it. Anyone else? It'll never get easier than this. Thank you back there. I saw your hand. Anyone else? Yes, they, thank you for your boldness. Thank you. I see your hand right there. God loves to forgive sins and to redeem people. All he needs is your permission. He does the saving. He does the redeeming. All you're doing by raising your hand saying, I give God permission to do this miracle. Anyone else before we pray? Joe, yes, thank you. I see your hand right there. Anyone else? Joe, I'm not raising my hand yet. Please include me. Anyone else? All right, hands down, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hands, we're all going to pray with you. God is about to do the two greatest miracles he can do, save souls and forgive sins. So people, we're going to help them pray. I want everybody in here to say this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son. He died for me, and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith, with thanksgiving, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever, or as a reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your word and their obedience. As of right now, Father, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You are their shepherd. They will hear your voice and the voice of a stranger. They will not follow. Father, we welcome them both into the family and back into the fold. Lord, as they lean today, would you surround them with a shield of divine favor? May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, I thank you, Father, that this is the first day of the rest of their life. Father, you're going to give them not only divine favor, but you're going to give godly friends. Bring not wimpy friends, not weak friends. Bring godly friends into their life that will begin to strike iron with them Cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We welcome them today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.